All right. So uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Chosen. Excuse me. Welcome to Conversations at the Intersection podcast. We are going to be um, having a lively discussion tonight. You know, Conversation at the Intersection is all about culture, faith and politics and the stuff that we talk about at the water cooler. Um, And so um, last week we had a great episode dealing with the cycles of life. Um, but to, tonight we're going to, uh, actually have our first special guest and, um, our special guest tonight is a, is a dear friend of mine. He is someone who, um, uh, we've worked on different projects together, uh, look to him to be someone who is, uh, you know, how you just have those folks who can speak into your life. Well, he's someone who can definitely speak into, uh, speaking to my life and he gives me uh, timely advice, uh, gives me wise counsel uh, and, and I don't take that lightly. And so I have him on tonight uh, so we can talk through something that I think all of us deal with, whether we are uh, whether we're in ministry, whether we are business owners, whether we are head of our households, um, even if we are youth and young adults, single and married, uh, it doesn't really make a difference. All of us at some point in our lives are trying to figure out um, where we are and who we are and what our purpose is. And a lot of times we classify it as what is our purpose? What am I here for? Uh, But on the other side of that, or what is really connected to that is a term that we use quite often, which is vision. What is our vision? What is it? What is it that uh, we see that someone else may not be able to see? What is it that? What is it that has been given to us specifically, designed for us, to where we know where we want to go? We want. We know where it is that we're going, but um, 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 sometimes we don't know how we're going to get there. Sometimes we don't know uh, the, the the maneuvers that we have to make. And, and at the end of the day, we can have purpose and we can have vision, but sometimes we need someone to help us to engineer how to get there. And so uh, uh, my, my guest tonight and my friend and brother tonight, uh, uh, Rufus Chambers, is someone who and he'll share more about who he is and what he has done uh, in this particular arena and how it spreads out into uh, his professional life uh, as well as the ministry life that he has. When you have a vision and you have purpose, sometimes you need someone to help you uh, not only articulate, but uh, architecturally design uh, and engineer how you get uh, uh, to where you need to get to. Uh, with that vision and with your purpose, and so tonight we have someone who uh, is a is a vision visionary engineer, uh, which are two terms that uh, um, one term I liked, the other term I ran away from when I was in college because I just I thought it was too much math involved. So Rufus is going to help us to 
this evening to uh, kind of figure out what it looks like to engineer our vision and how that all plays into where we are professionally, personally, ministry-wise, and uh, we'll try to get into the nuts and bolts of this thing. Uh, so Rufus, welcome to uh, Conversations at the Intersection, brother. Welcome to the Intersection this evening. Well, thank you. Thank you, uh, Pastor Said. Thank you for allowing me to come on uh, to your podcast and share a little bit um, about myself. Um, I count it an honor and a privilege to be with you. And, uh, brother, I'm blushing, you know, by that heartfelt introduction uh, that you shared with me. Um, the feeling is mutual. And I look forward to diving into vision engineering tonight. Yeah, good stuff, man. Good stuff. So, so Rufus, just um, share a little bit, man, about your background as far as um, um, your professional life, uh, your personal life, and ministry, and 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 share with us how you connect all of that. Uh, okay. As far as what you do on a on a day to day basis, yeah, yeah. So um, first and foremost, I am the husband of Jamila. I've uh, been married to my beautiful wife Jamila uh, for the last eighteen years, and I'm the father of Winter and Willow, uh, two daughters, ages fifteen and eleven. Um, so that's really the the most important part of my life and professionally I am a construction project manager by trade and I've been in the construction industry for 20 years and uh, my undergraduate work uh, was in the area of architectural engineering and I attended Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and what I like to share with people about getting an engineering degree is you learn how to solve problems. Uh, so when I look back at my undergraduate time at Cal Poly, there was a lot of concepts. There was a lot of books. There were calculations, uh, 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 different formulas. And it was just a whirlwind of information. And to be honest, I don't remember all of that information. But one thing I, I remember and gleaned from that time was learning how to solve problems and think critically. And, you know, after I got out of college, I went to work for a general contractor and working for a general contractor, I was put on a project um, a large project. And from there, I learned about how commercial construction works and the different entities involved in commercial construction. And I really found my sweet spot in being a project manager. And as a project manager, I'm responsible for managing commercial construction projects that range in construction volume as something as small as you know, a hundred thousand dollar project and, or I could be managing, you know, a, a project that, that may exceed a hundred million project, a hundred million dollars. And really what I've learned in the last 20 years is the size of the project is one thing, but you still apply some of the same disciplines of 
managing people, managing time, managing dollars, managing resources to execute a project. Those disciplines are really universal um, in, uh, in the context of construction project management. And so that's been my professional career. And I would say I've been in construction for 20 years and I've been in ministry for a little over 15 years. And really, you know, I have a heart for ministry. I've served in a number of capacities in ministry from working on sound boards and working on projector screens and, uh, you know, working in children's ministry, youth wow. ministry, trustee board, elder board, you know, teaching in the pulpit, you know, you, you kind of name it. You know, I was, I, I got a chance to get engaged in it. Um, and really, I always say the highlight of my ministry career thus far was when I served um, on, um, I was a, uh, I guess you could call me an executive pastor, mm-hmm. quote unquote, or an executive administrator, you know, for a mid-sized church, you know, that had a couple thousand members and, you know, uh, gross revenue in, into the seven digits. And that time for me was so special because I was able to use my marketplace skill and use it in a ministry church context. And it was really when those worlds collided that this whole vision, it was really in that time that vision engineering began to make sense for me. Um, So, you know, during that time of being, you know, full-time at the church, I got a chance to really project manage, if you will, some ministry operations, um, ministry administration, um, and whatnot, and, and really serve my leader um, with with the tenacity. Um, and uh, it, it was just a just an awesome awesome experience, man. Mm-hmm. So that's really how I, you know, kind of got to where I'm at. You know, currently I'm, you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm not in that uh, executive pastor position. You know, I have. Uh, birthed a ministry, my you know, with me and my wife and I, and you know, we're in the process of planting a church in the LA region, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all of that being said, the need for engineering vision is necessary, and I'm hoping that some we get a chance to dive into a yeah. little bit deeper, yeah, uh, later on in our conversation, yeah. No, let's 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 go there. I think what is what <clears throat> when you look at vision, Rufus, and I mean, like I mm-hmm. said, vision is something that I I feel like we take into every 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 avenue of life, uh, uh, whether we mm-hmm. call it that or not. So even your fifteen year old daughter has vision. She has a vision for That's where true. she wants to be. Uh, uh, our 19-year-old children. They have a vision. Even if they can't articulate it in a very clean fashion, they have a vision. Uh, my 81-year-old dad has a vision uh, 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 for where he is and where God may have him. So when you talk about vision, what is what is vision uh, by definition? And what is vision engineering? Okay. Okay. Now, those are those are great questions. 
And, you know, those terms are both uh, at the crux of my uh, of my book entitled mm-hmm. Does Your Vision Need an Engineer? And your listeners can purchase that book on Amazon.com. Uh, it's a very reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. I believe it'll be a blessing to their lives. But to answer your question, um, what is vision? And this is a simple definition that I include in the book. Um, and it, and this is how I define it. I say the essence of vision is simply the invisible picture of your life that lives in your heart that you desire to experience. Mm. I'll say that again. The essence of vision is simply the invisible picture of your life that lives in your heart that you desire to experience. So again, a person's vision is that thing that lives on the inside of them that they're willing to aggressively pursue and go after, you know, so that they can experience it. And the truth of the matter is some people have vision and some people uh, may have a vision that's dormant Mm. or asleep. You know, some people I feel like they are bombarded with the day-to-day things that are more so dictating their lives to them versus them dictating to their lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but so simply put, vision is that invisible thing that lives on the inside of you. This is another definition that I love from Dr. Ivy Hilliard. Dr. Ivy Hilliard, he gets a little deeper. Um, with his definition, but he says vision is the divine portrait of potential and possibilities that rescue mankind from his perishing predicament. He says that vision is the divine portrait of potential and possibilities that rescue mankind from his perishing predicament. And, you know, with that, let's just think about, you know, regardless of your political affiliation. Yeah. I believe that there was a vision of President Barack Obama inside of his heart before he ever took office. Right. Right. I believe that there was a vision that was inside of his heart, inside of his belly that he was willing to put his whole family, his whole education, his whole uh, his his whole life on the line to go after it. Right, right. And I feel like some people are living unfulfilled lives because they're not willing to put all of the chips that they have on the table and bet on themselves. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people. They're willing to bet on the normalcy of life or they're willing to bet on the complacency of living a mundane and uninspired life. But the visionary, the visionary is willing to say, you know what? I'm not willing to be content with normalcy. I want more. And that more is because of that picture that they see on the inside. Right, right. And I'm going to preach to the choir, man, because you are a visionary. Every time I talk to you, you're working on something new. You're going after something new. Mm -hmm. You're juggling something else Mm -hmm. because inside of yourself, 
there's something that's telling Cedric there's more, mm-hmm. you know, or you haven't made it yet. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so again, visionaries, they have this internal dialogue with themselves that is a drive or it's, a, it's like a, it, it, it's a gasoline, if mm-hmm. you will, that mm-hmm. makes their engines run. So that's vision. Vision is the invisible picture, mm-hmm. right? That's good. That's um, good. Or as Dr. Hillier said, the divine the portrait divine of potential portrait. possibilities. Yes. Um, and and what is a vision engineer? This is something I share in the book. I say, um, simply put, and this is a quote directly from the book. It says, simply put, your vision requires a designated engineer. Okay. And this is what the designated engineer is. A person or a team who is directly responsible for translating your vision into a strategic action plan that can be executed flawlessly by a synergistic unit. Mm. So the vision engineer is the person that's responsible for taking the vision and transcribing it into a strategic action plan. That's what the vision engineer is, you know. So, so as an example, in the, in, in my job, mm-hmm. I just got an email tonight from a contractor saying, "Rufus, I'm willing to give you a price to complete this concrete work for your project." Okay, but. They said, Rufus, I don't have the information that I need to create the estimate. And the and there's a there's a deficiency. Yeah. There's vision, and then there's a contractor that wants to execute, but they say they don't have an execution plan. That's why a vision engineer is needed. Wow. So now I need to sit here and hire a civil engineer to help create this package so the contractor can go execute. Mm. The vision engineer is in, is in the business of creating an action item or strategic plan to execute the vision. Now tell me this. Now tell me this, Rufus. Now when you de- okay, so we got this. We have this invisible plan. We have this mm-hmm. divine. Um, uh, a portrait, as Dr. Ivy Hill mm-hmm. stated, and so we can have a vision, and then we mm-hmm. have a vision engineer. Now, can the vision and vision engineer live in one person, or is it is is it necessary for someone who has a vision to to find someone who can be that vision engineer? You know, that's a really, really good question. Um, and, you know, that's a question that we talk about in my book. Praise okay. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, but, and, and this is how I address it in the book. Folks, gotta, y'all got to go okay. get the book, man. Get the book. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is how I tackle it in the book. In the book, I said, and this is what I believe. Some visionaries can engineer. Some visionaries can engineer. Some visionaries cannot engineer. Mm. Okay? So the first thing is the visionary has to be honest with themselves and say, can I engineer? And that means, can I write a plan or can I create an action item list? Mm. Can I create a schedule? Can I create a budget? 
Can I create an org chart? Can I do all of this administrative stuff? That's the first question the visionary has to answer. Some visionaries can. And let's just say, if the visionary can do all of that engineer stuff, yeah, great. Okay. Then the next thing is the engineer, ha- the visionary has to say, just because I can do it, is that the best use of my time? Right. That's the other thing, because, and this is something that for me in real time, I'm going to have to manage as I plant this church, because. I can spend eight hours, as an example, engineering the vision for the church plant. But then God is going to ask me, Rufus, is that the best use of your time? Should you be spending eight hours engineering or should you be spending four hours praying and studying? Right. And then two hours delegating to a team that can engineer and then two hours, you know, doing some self-care. Right. You know, so so that's the thing is that the visionary has to be honest with themselves and say, can I engineer? And then secondly, they say, if they say, yes, I can engineer, then they have to ask the question, is that the best use of my time? So Because go ahead. If, if, if it's not the best use of your time, you don't want to be overstimulated in engineering and then miss your miss your category one work of leading, visioning, taking territory and doing all of your other stuff that the leader or visionary should do. Mm. So, OK. All right. And you said something in that that I think is very important because sometimes Sometimes I read a quote the other day. Um, you can't tell, you can't tell your 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 big dreams to small-minded people. And mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and yeah, that's good. Sometimes with vision, and and like I said, I, I, at some level, whether you are a a, uh, a entrepreneur, you you, you want to start your own business or 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 develop something take something that's already been developed developed and maybe put your own uh uh twist on it your own tag on mm-hmm. it um whether you in school you're married um i mean i think even this is something that's good even for for even someone that's a, a lady that's a housewife just because you're a housewife doesn't mean that you don't have vision you get up every day with some sense yeah. of vision because yeah. you got to manage right. your household you got to you got to make That's sure good. that, quote unquote, your staff, <laughs> which is your children and husband and stuff like that, that they get to where they need to get to and, and they are in place and doing what they have to do. So we all have vision. But how are we how can we be certain that we are developing our vision in a healthy fashion? And that if we turn our vision over to an engineer, it won't get hijacked. That, that's a really good question. Um, as far as the hijacking, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like I agree with you. You can't trust everyone with the pearls of your vision. 
you know, I, 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 I absolutely believe that. Um, so number one, I feel like we have to pray that God would send the right team members to co-labor with you. Um, and this is a story that, you know, I was told years ago is that, you know, my pastor, he was talking about, he knew they had a need for an anointed uh, minister of music. And so they started praying about it. Not only did they pray about it, they, they, I, I think they had bought an organ mm-hmm. or a keyboard, one of the two, but they didn't have nobody to play it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now you have prayer <laughs> and now you have faith attached to the prayer. Right. And, you know, eventually that anointed minister of music came in contact and visited the church with his wife, who's an anointed singer. And the rest is history. Right. You know, so I feel like the visionary, the leader needs to petition God on what is needed, number Mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. And not only with that, we have to use wisdom on how much we disclose and how we safeguard and protect the vision. And that's something else we talk about in the book is how you have to protect the vision, just like Nehemiah protected the uh, vision of the wall. Yeah. He built with a sword in one hand yeah. and tools in the other. Yeah. Wisdom. Wisdom builds the house. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and uh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It, it, it's one to wear wise counsel. And understanding mm-hmm. what 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 that looks like is important. And sometimes you, <clears throat> I call them dots. Sometimes you got to go and you know you purchase uh, 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 <laughs> you purchase a couch and you don't even have a house yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. By faith, you, by faith. Right. You, you got a vision. You're gonna be in a house one day, so you just go purchase the couch and come on and, and, and get the come house on, later bro. on. So. How on, how for how for ministry uh, 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 as as we begin to kind of descend a little bit for ministry? How do we help? How do we help um, um, pastors, church leaders in this season with 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 folks that have been entrusted to them who are who are business minded, uh, working mm. in the marketplace? How do we? How can they be helped from a vision engineering perspective on bringing faith and the workplace together. Um, can you re-ask that? Because are, are you asking how the pastors can be helped or how the marketplace business folks better in churches? I, what I want to say is how, how do we fit the, the pastor and church together with those who work in the marketplace mm. to have some okay, sense of okay. a some sense of a vision vision directed yeah. uh yeah. Out, outlay. And you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 this is and see this is the thing. This is what I believe. I believe that 
the needs of the church are in the house. Mm. The needs of the church are in the house. So the visionary, the pastor that's uh, praying to God and petitioning God on what he or she needs, God will send those resources into the house. Mm. As those resources come into the house, then the prayer is, God, give me wisdom on how to tap into these gifts that are in the house. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because if God is going to send you an entrepreneur or send you a business leader, somebody in marketing, administration, publishing, etc., mm-hmm. pray to God about God. What am I supposed to do with these people? Do I need them to start a committee? Do I need them to sit on a board? Do I just need to get them in leadership? Do, you know, because then, then, and this is the power thing, then God, as that person gets busy within the church, God will begin to reveal unto that person, that marketplace person, Guess what? Your gift is not only for the marketplace and to feed your family. Your gift is for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And that's what happened with me. I had no idea when I was working for these general contractors and these different organizations managing these projects that I was being trained and groomed for the kingdom of God. Mm. It's as if marketplace experience can be a pray a paid training program for the kingdom. You know, wow. we sending our kids to college, they're gonna get degrees, they're gonna start their careers and get skills, watch this, that God can employ within the kingdom of God. Right. You know what I mean? But if the pastor doesn't know how to translate those marketplace gifts into a ministry context, that marketplace person is going to sit there and nod their head. They had their pom-poms out. And praise <laughs> the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Here goes an offering, but I'm out of here. Right. And that charismatic preacher will be left in the pulpit with a moved crowd, but no plan to move forward. Glory to God. I'm well, preaching now, Man, brother. come on, brother. <laughs> come on, brother. So God is sending the supplies. But if the pastor is unable hmm. to maximize and connect with that marketplace gift that comes into the house. Wow. So, so, mm-hmm. uh, Lord Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> man, this is good. This it's is good real, stuff. man. This is good. It's so, real, brother. This, so, this stuff happens, man. It so, happens. so how do we help? How do we help those that are in leadership? How do how do we help? How do we help uh, 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 the pastor, mm-hmm. the 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 director of a department? Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, CEO, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the CEO, because all of them are leaders and all yeah. of them have some sense of vision. But how do we help yeah. them to understand who has been placed as a term that That's I've been good. using here lately? How do they how do we help them to lead those who've been entrusted to their care? 
That's good. That's nah. That's that's a good question. Um, you know, because this is something that uh, this is something that Bishop Tudor Bismarck. I remember he said is that, and I don't remember exactly what he said, so I'll just paraphrase. But he yeah, was yeah. talking. You know, again, you can pray for a leadership team of 50 people. You know, if you got 50 50 leaders, you should be able to successfully manage a congregation of five, you know, 500, 1,000, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know what to do with the 50 leaders, how are you going to manage that movement or that organization? You know, so number one, wisdom is needed. You know, and, and, and again, as a leader, they need to seek wisdom. How do you seek wisdom? You seek wisdom from God. You also seek wisdom in the multitude of counsel. You know what I mean? And that not only goes for the pastor, but that should go for the downline leader, the director. You know what I mean? So as the pastor and as the director are meeting, somebody needs to be thinking about proper people placement. And that's something that's always mm. critical in ministry. You need to place people in the proper places so that they can flourish and be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, if, 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 if it's no different than, you know, people who have a heart for kids and babies, they should be in children's ministry. Mm. People who have a heart for people and just love them and remember names, maybe they should be a greeter. Maybe they should be an usher. Maybe they should be that first touch, mm-hmm. you know, that the person comes in the door. Who's going to be the first touch? That first touch person should be something that somebody that will exude the love of God. Right. It shouldn't be somebody that's stanky and funky and nasty. <laughs> got an attitude all the time. You know what I mean? Because then that's, that's, that's not proper placement. So some of this stuff is wisdom some of it is being led by the spirit and some of this common sense yeah man you know what i'm saying yeah and and be willing to change up that's the other thing is that just because and it's something you have talked about just because a leader was effective in a ministry you know for one season doesn't mean that they have a life term on a position right you know what I'm saying? Right. So sometimes it's just like your workout plan. You know, I know you're, mm-hmm. you know, going through different workout mm-hmm. regimens. Sometimes you have to shock your body so you're that right. it can get stronger. You're right. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we have to move things around so that the, the church, the organization, the organization can grow and flourish. Mm. You know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, pastors and, and, and leaders, you know, they need each other. They need to challenge each other. They need to be accountable to one another so that the ministries can grow and and flourish. And somebody needs to be discerning about where to place different people. Mm-hmm. So tell me this. How is there a, is there a time limit on vision or is vision timeless? Mm, wow, that's a good question. Is vision is vision timeless? I mean, I feel like I feel like that's a loaded question because you know, 
a vision that's birthed inside of a person, I guess the question is, does that vision die with the person mm-hmm. or is it multi-generational? Mm-hmm. You know, so let's talk about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There was a vision that was inside of this man. Mm-hmm. But we know in 2019, that vision has not been brought to full manifestation. Yeah, yeah. So I feel as though if it's a if it's a God inspired true vision, it should be multi generational. Okay. So that's how I'll answer your question. I feel like you know, I feel like God is in the business of multi generations. You know, the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance not only for his children, but his children's children. There should be a multi-generational blessing that is attached to a God-inspired vision. Okay. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, yeah. So that's my opinion on the matter. But I've never studied that out from a doctrinal perspective. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But that's a really, really good question. Um, But... Again, we look at scripture, we look at some of the promises of God, we look at even God casting vision in Genesis. Look at how many uh, generations yes. it took for the fulfillment. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? It, it was, it was yeah. you know, we're talking about generations upon generations yes. upon generations and so, yeah. hey brother, I will say yeah. it should be confirmed as multi-generational. But as far as being timeless, that, I think that's going to require some scripture study there. Yeah, and that's good. That's good. I I, I think to I think to understand because and, and and I asked that question because we're talking about we're talking about pastors and uh, directors and CEOs and how that all works in concert with each other and realizing that sometimes. Um, when you're talking about pastors and ministry leaders, sometimes they can get in their head that they got to get this thing into motion or they're going to, you know what I'm saying? Or they're going to lose it. Not realizing that if it's a vision that's given by God, come on, there is no time limit. So there is no, uh, if we talk in government, there is no term limit. Come on, brother. To your vision. So if God gives it to you, it may take you 50 years for that vision to play out. Even if you don't live those 50, but like you said, it's generational. So somebody's going to catch the vision and carry that. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, we look at, you know, biblical heroines. We look at fathers and mothers of the faith. Yeah. You know, they planted seeds that outlived their life. Yeah. You know, you look at, you know, William Seymour, Azusa Revival. You think about how much fruit came from his life tree. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where this charismatic revival was birthed and it went throughout the world. Right. You know what I mean? You think about... Um, Moses and Joshua, you know, where, and, 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 it, and it's so prophetic that, 
you know, God showed Moses the promised land before he passed, but unfortunately he couldn't enter in. Right. So the vision that was given was sure, but it was just multi, uh, multi-generational. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then Joshua right. got in there and started kicking behind and taking names <laughs> and, you know, started planting flags, you know, in different regions. Right. You know what I mean? And I feel like visionaries, and this is where we have to deal with our pride and being so self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. A true vision from God is going to be bigger than the individual. Mm-hmm. Right, right, it's right, be right. bigger than the individual. So if we get ourselves out of the way, I feel like we'll be able to see that landscape that God is going to lay out. Right. And we'll begin to see that we need people to fulfill these visions. Right. You know, I don't care how anointed, how blessed, and how I even prophesied, social security numbers, all that. Right. That is wonderful. <laughs> Guess what? You're going to need some people, <laughs> man or woman of God, right. to, to execute back to the vision, to execute the vision. Yeah, yeah. Which, which then plays out in what you said earlier, wherein... You can have a vision for this 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 concrete driveway, but you got a contractor. Mm-hmm. But then you're gonna need to find somebody to actually do the 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 planning, the civil planning. Make sure that you can do it. So you're always gonna need people to be a part of your vision. And I think sometimes Rufus, we get man, we get so far out there that we feel like we're the only ones who can carry out the vision. Yeah. That's why at yep. the top You're I said, right. can the can the can the can the visionary be the engineer as well? Because sometimes you can get so locked into your own voice that you need somebody else in the room that actually is seeing it with what they call fresh eyes. Absolutely. And and see that's the thing is when we look at her back of the second chapter, you know, when God said write the vision and make it plain. He then went on to say, so that people that can see it can run, you know, and and do it, essentially. I don't have the scripture in front of me. But so again, and that's part of that conversation between the visionary and the engineering team is to, hey, you're saying this. Is this what you mean Mm -hmm. or is this what you mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But if you're just saying stuff, people may or may not be understanding what you're saying. And if they don't understand it, how can it become reality in their lives? Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that's even a challenge just in the basic premise of teaching and preaching on Sundays and your midweek. It's like, okay, you're saying stuff. And I'm not saying you, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying in yeah, general. Yeah. A, a preacher is preaching, but can the recipient receive it and do something with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and sometimes no no you know i mean you you know sometimes people are like i'm inspired i'm moved but i don't know what to do on monday right you know what i right, mean so right even right. at a basic level this whole engineering thing is it needs to be evaluated and 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 realize you know what and that's the thing to me, sometimes the danger of a church becoming so inwardly focused mm-hmm. is that if we if we're trying to impress people in the pew, you may be trying to impress your listener, but in trying to impress them, they may not 
know practically what to do. Right. You know, and a new believer comes along and they'll be completely confused. Like, I don't know what's going on in here. Right. You know what I mean? And that that goes against, you know, um, the commission to make disciples of all men. Right. You know, right. so. Right. I'm, you know, let me get off of that sidetrack. Let me get off sidetrack. But I'm just saying our, 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 our pulpit preaching you know, it's it's related to what we're talking about as far as the vision. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, okay, if you're teaching on the vision for the Christian life, does the person know how to execute right. the Christian life, or are they yeah. just left with information with no roadmap? Right. So it's, it's the yeah. vision engineer. Yeah. So have you given them vision, or have you just given them information? Because at the end of the day, I sleep through most with no roadmap. Right, I sleep through most infomercials, but I'm I'm yeah. I'm excited about when I hear vision. Uh, Rufus, man, we could we this is probably a two or three <laughs> episode man process. Um, so I, yeah, I, I yeah. think what we'll yeah. do is let me bring you back to continue on because yeah. I want to get off into. Um, how sometimes we can browbeat and manipulate people with our vision, mm. and sometimes how we can, how vision can be used as a, um, um, and, and uh, put into my own vernacular, how vision can be used as a steak knife instead of a butter knife. Mm. How people can cut folks mm. with their vision. Instead of instead of spread their vision out amongst the people. Mm, that's good. That's good, you know? <laughs> brother. Now that you know what I'm. You just said something. <laughs> you just said something. I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> but what you just said is a mouthful. You know what I'm saying? Man, how do you spread the vision out amongst the people? Yes. Instead of using, I'm not, bro. I'm gonna resist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's 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 come back and let's let's delve into that, brother, because that's episode. That's that's part two of this vision engineering. Um, Okay. So let's come back and do that. We're gonna get all up in that, man. Definitely, man. So uh, tell the folks once again where to get your book and uh, how can we be praying for you in this season. Hey, man. Well, thanks again, brother, once again, for allowing me to come on your podcast. I appreciate you sharing your platform with me once again in this context of the podcast. Um, My book entitled Does Your Vision Need an Engineer is available online at Amazon.com. You can go to Amazon.com and type in my name, Rufus Chambers, or Does Your Vision Need an Engineer? And you'll be able to get a copy of that book. It's very modestly priced. And I believe that it will be a blessing um, to you. Um, If any of your listeners want to connect with me online, they can do so on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, LinkedIn. Again, Rufus Chambers. um, And I'd love uh, to be in contact with your guests. Um, And as far as praying for me... um, You know, again, I mentioned the church plant that we're uh, planning now for 2020. Um, So the prayer petition is that God would send 
laborers for this end time harvest who are going to co-labor with us. So that's really at the top of the prayer. List. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll be in prayer for you on that, man. And thank you, Rufus, for coming on. Um, um, yeah. Um, definitely go out and get his book. And we're going to bring Rufus back so we can delve into this thing a little bit deeper. Um, so thank you once again. This has been another episode of Conversation at the uh, Intersection podcast. I'm your host, Cedric Nelms. I'm looking forward to uh, all that we can get into at the intersection. Remember, this is the culture. We talk about culture, politics, faith, and all the stuff that you talk about either at the water cooler or in the parking lot. And so we want to bring that to you and bring it to you at the intersection. So we thank you uh, for for being a part of our podcast. And once again, we'll see you and uh, uh, hear from you, actually. And hopefully you'll hear from us uh, next week when we come up with another episode of Conversations at the Intersection.